Welcome to New Hope Hilo. This is a time of worship that we get to honor God with our tithes and offerings. And, you know, with worship to the Lord, the Bible tells us it's supposed to be deep and meaningful. And there's three dimensions to it. Three dimensions in the sense that we have a past, a present, and a future. In the past, the Lord delivered me from a lot of junk. And he saved me. And because of him, I'm going to heaven. Because he's saved me. But I'm so thankful, and I get to give in response to that. And then in the presence, you know, if you want to know where a man's treasures lie, you can look at his calendar. You can see what he invests his time into. You can look at his checkbook, see what he invests his money into. And with myself, and I don't say this to brag, but when I did my taxes, I looked at the, um, the New Hope statement about what I gave. It was the most that I've ever given. And my finances haven't changed over the last 10 years much. And I'm looking at this, I'm going, wow. And I, I'm not bragging for myself, I'm bragging for my Lord. I'm hoping that this is honoring to him that I keep increasing my tithing to him because he's worthy. I am not. And whatever I have is from him. Now, I'm not rich, but I'm rich. I got a great family. I got many friends. I got a fantastic church. And out of that, I tithe as well. And then in the future, the third dimensions. You know, in Malachi, it talks about bringing the tithe into the storehouse and, and see that he'll open the floodgates of heaven for you. And, and in the past, I've tested that because it says to test that. And it's so true. I may not be the richest guy financially, but I feel like I'm the richest guy with my family and with my church. And he met all my needs. And it amazes me that so many times we can trust God with our salvation, but do we trust him with our finances? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that we get to worship you through many facets of our lives, and finances is just one of them. And I just ask that you would take this and further your kingdom, one relationship at a time. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, ushers. Now join me as we get to watch two of our own youth in our church make a testimony about missions. Hi, my name is Blake Moniz, and... I've decided to join the One Mission Ministry because I wanted to help people. What got me into missions was there was this one night at Legacy. We were all praying over each other and the spirit was extremely powerful. And I just heard God say, Jordan, you need to go into missions. And I wasn't really comfortable with the fact of traveling to different places and helping people over there. So I thought that this would be a good chance for me to come and, you know, test out the waters. So when it's time for those other missions to come where I do travel and help other people, it will be more easier on me and I will kind of know how to like be the church and bring, help bring people to God. What I found was we had a One Missions ministry coming up and I signed up and I finally believed this was my one way to pursuing the plan that God has for me. Missions is a form of worship because um, what God told us to do basically is to go out into the world and spread his name. And through that, through serving people, through giving our time, we're, we're basically giving our lives to him. We're saying, 
Here's my life, Lord. Take it and use it for your will. To me, missions is a way of worship because what I was taught when I came to the worship team is that it's not just about singing and dancing, but it's more of a lifestyle. So like the way we glorify God is like worship. So when we do missions, we get a chance to glorify God by serving His people and loving on His people the same way that He loves us. So in a way, we're serving God, like glorifying Him by doing things He wants us to do, like loving people. And that's kind of what worship is, like the missions. What I look forward to most is meeting new people and really spending time and making new relationships with people because I believe that's the best way for people to know the love of Christ is through love itself. And not many people may have that. You know, and the Bible tells us that God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Sometimes we need to unpack that to find out what that means and what that signifies because we're, we are normally taught or we're used to the fact that worship is about singing songs because we say let's worship God, we stand together and then we sing songs, which is a part of worship, but it is not only worship. Singing songs to God and the time that we sing worship songs is not the only form of worship. And what we're going to learn today as we continue in our series, Why We Exist, is what it means to worship God. What does it mean? And, and what, why is that word worship so tied into songs? Because it's, it's more than songs that we sing. So you can take out your notes, or if you're using the, the church app, you can do that. But in this series, we're talking about how God created each person as individual, unique people. Like there's no one on the face of this planet that is just like you. And some people would say, amen, amen. But there are people who have say, like similarities. Like there are some people that you would say, wow, that person reminds me just like you or they remind me of you. Or sometimes we say to our children, you know, when they misbehave, they say, oh, you're just like your... <laughs> the moms say you're like your father, and then the moms say you're just like your dad. Yeah, and we normally say that when they're misbehaving. But what we're, what we're trying to say is that, yes, there are similarities, but we're all different. God created us differently. And we all have a different look, a different personality, a different style, even though there are certain fads or fashion. We all do things differently. We respond differently. We react differently. And we do things in a different way because of how God created us. Have you ever been in the same situation with someone, maybe your spouse or a family member, and you all respond differently? Let's just say you're at a restaurant and the food comes late, and you're like, man, it's taking 45 minutes for them to get the food. And someone else is like, don't worry. It's fine. Eat the bread. We got bread. Like, no, but we're hungry. I mean, the kids are starving. They're not starving. Kids, you're fine. Yeah, we're fine. We can eat the bread. And everyone, it almost sounds like I'm talking about the mom, but just, just because I'm the, the dad. But we do that, and we all respond differently because we're all different. And when it comes to worship, we all worship God in different ways. Now, again, when we say the word worship, we start thinking of singing. I am so glad that the Bible teaches us that worship is not only about singing. 
Because if worship was dependent on how well I sing, oh man, I am in, I'm, I'm dead meat. Because we don't all sing on key, which is okay because in a setting like this, oh, it sounds so good. I can, I, my voice can be drowned out by everybody else's voice. That's why God gave us a way to worship him that is more than just song. When we talk about worship and when we talk about the, the heart that we have towards God, it is more than music. Music is such a small part of worshiping God. It's how we live for him because God wants everything of us. You know, when Heidi and I got married, we just celebrated 27 years last week. And when we were celebrating that day, we were saying, you know, what are you dreaming of? What, like, what, what, what do you see in this season of life? And, and, and how can we support each other? And so we're talking about these things. And, and we started reminiscing about the first day we got married and how, how saying yes was, you know, it meant everything to us. But saying yes at the altar on our wedding day was the easy part. Saying yes for 27 years? That's the challenge. Some of you have been married for 40, 50 years. Some of you have been married for one. Every single day of saying yes is a challenge. Now imagine if I was, you know, when Heidi and I were getting married and, and the pastor said, okay, so do you take Heidi to be your lawfully wedded wife? And I said, a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Just see how it goes. Like, depends. Like, if she's, if she's good, uh, uh, well-behaved, if she supports me, let's, you know, I'll check back in a week or so. I'll give, man, I'll give like 90%. 90% of myself, 90% of my heart. How's that, Heidi? 90%, will that do? And she probably might say no or, yeah, okay, but I'll only give you 80% of my heart then. Just in case, just in case not working out, you know, I don't lose all of my heart. And then I would probably counteract and kind of negotiate. i say, okay, if you give me 80, I can go, I can go maybe 82. I can go 82. Or we can meet in the middle. How about 85, 85? Okay, done. Good deal. Okay, we do. And the pastor would probably be thinking, there's no way I'm going to marry the both of you. Because when you get married, how much of your heart are you supposed to give? Yeah, all. 100%. You're saying in this marriage, I'm giving everything. And with Heidi and I, like we sat down and we said, we're going to do everything. We're going to trust each other. We're going to be faithful to each other. We're going to serve God together. We even put together our money. You know how difficult that was for Heidi? It was easy for me. She had more money. I'm like, yeah, 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 let's, let's join accounts. Let's join accounts. Now, I understand for some of you, like, there's no way we can join accounts right now because someone is a spender. And so I understand that, and hopefully in time, you know, things can get better and, and, and whatever else. But what we learned is that from the very beginning, we had to give our all. And that's what God asks for when it comes to our worship to him. That we give him our all because our all up front is our very best. You know when in Luke chapter 10 verse 25 through 28, as Jesus was answering this expert in religious law, he, he, he says it like this. And one day when the expert of, in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? In other words, he's saying, well, what did you learn so far? 
What do you know of the law? And how do you read it? Well, the man answered, Oh, you must love the Lord your God. Not, you know, here's a suggestion. It's you must love the Lord your God with all your, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Which means if you don't do this, you will <laughs> die. Yeah, it's almost like Jesus is saying, if you want to have life, this is how you have life. You love me with all that you have. If you don't want to have a full life, then don't give me all of your heart. See, the amazing thing with God is that when we give him all, we're fulfilled. Only God can do that. When we give him, he gives back. When we give him our all, he gives us his all. In fact, even when we didn't give him our all, he still gave us his all. So the question then is, well, how do we learn what it means to worship God? So what we're going to do is we're going to learn three key components when it comes to worshiping God. And the first is this, if you want to write down uh, this in your notes, that we need to discover our worship style. Our worship style. Not, not, not style as in, oh, right on, I can dress up for church. I'm going to, you know, do my hair and, and dress up and, and wear nice clothing. You can do that. That's fine. And that's probably a part of wanting to give God your very best. But it's more than a style as in the outward appearance. It's not how we look, but it's how we connect with God the best. How many of you like quiet? You just love it when it's peace peaceful and quiet. Raise your hand. You love quiet. You love calm. Okay, so that's, that's probably how you love connecting with God. Now, how many of you, you love, you, you, you're okay with noise and, 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 and commotion. You like the party. Not that you love partying, but you just love the, the more the upbeat atmosphere. You're okay when it's a little noisy. How many of you can deal with that? You like music when it's loud. And I was next to a, a car the other day, and you know how they have the boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, I remember when I had those speakers in my car, and then I got old. But that's how they connect. It's a certain style that we may have. Now, your style might be calm. It may be energetic. It may be that you connect with God best in a setting like this with a group of people. Maybe you connect with God best when you're hiking or surfing or you're, you're, you're out on the golf course that you're with friends. Like, you connect with God that way. Now, don't use those things as, honey, I'm going to go connect with God. I'm going to go golf. Honey, I'm going to connect with God. I'm going to go fishing. But you actually do connect with God in those ways. And it's not an excuse to say, oh, I'm going to connect with God, so I'm going to do these things. What, what it means is that's how God created you. Some of you, you just love the outdoors. You need to be outside. Like you're outside so much, you didn't even use sunscreen. Your skin is toasted already. It's just, that's your sunscreen. The bugger is just baked. And so sun can't even get through. Why? Because you love the outdoors. You truly connect with God that way. Some of you love the arts. You love music. You love to cook. Like, that's, like you, you find the most passion that way. You love photography. You love editing. You love video. You just, that's your passion. And you, you feel most connected with God that way. God created you that way. Find, out, find what your worship style is, how you connect with, with God the best. For some people to say, hey, let's go to a worship concert. For some, they're like, I don't connect with God that way. 
but you take me camping under the stars, oh, I am in awe of who God is. See, everybody has a different style. Find out what your worship style is. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it tells us, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. In other words, the Bible is saying to us that there is a correct way to worship God. And if there's a correct way to worship God, then there's an incorrect way to worship God. And if there's an incorrect way to worship God, we need to figure out what that looks like and what the correct way to worship God is. In John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus was talking with a person and, and they're talking about their life and their lifestyle. And, and it was the Samaritan woman and she was doing things that wasn't pleasing to God. And so she switches to worshiping God. So how do I worship God? And, and Jesus said, the hour is coming in John 4, 23. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. You know, God seeks those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because our worship needs to be correct. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be real. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, don't, don't just go through the motions. It's, it's the, the spirit that God has given to us. And he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about our spirit, that you worship him with your spirit and, and be real with God. That's why it's not just in a setting like this. It's everywhere we are. When you develop your worship style, you understand how you're made up. There's certain, some of you, you love washing dishes. That's amazing. You love washing dishes. Do you know that you can worship God washing dishes? Because you're saying, God, I'm so thankful that you gave me these dishes. I'm so thankful that you've given me the ability. I worship you through this act. Because when you're doing that out of your love for God, that's your worship to God. Anything that you're doing that says, God, I love you, and you go through that action, other than sin, you're worshiping God. That's why Jesus said, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's saying, with everything that you have, that's your worship to God. That's why God gave us a soul. That's why he gave us our spirit, our heart. That's why he gave us a physical body. He gave us these things so that we can worship him with. He gave us feelings. He gave us emotions. And not all the time you're going to feel like worshiping God. And when that happens, just go back to the truth that God is worthy to be worshiped. There are many times where I don't feel like worshiping God, but I know he deserves it, so I begin to worship him out of the truth that he deserves it. And then my feelings catch up because it's done in spirit and in truth. Therefore, the genuineness comes out of us, not just what we do, but it's how we do what we do. See, we can worship God imperfectly, but we cannot worship him insincerely. There's a way to worship him at the same time, we can be sincerely wrong. That's why he says, there's a way to worship me. It's in spirit and in truth. It needs to be correct. It needs to be accurate. It needs to be real of who we are. And true worship happens when our spirit connects with God, not the type of music we play or the song we sing, because worship is not about our feelings, although it's included. It's not about our feelings. It's about God and who he is, lest we get distracted. If it was only about our feelings, we'd get distracted all the time. See, our, our best worship to God is when we genuinely worship him, how he created us to be in our unique style and personality in who we are. 
because that's the realest we're going to be with God. We don't have to be fake about worship. It's, this is how God wired me up to, be wor- to worship Him. And how you worship, is, it might be different than how somebody else will worship God. But it's our whole heart to God. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of, their, of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. In other words, what Jesus is saying is you got to be specific with God. I mean, if you just blanket everything, it's not being real and authentic with God. Your worship style is going to be your worship style. It's how you, like when I talk with God, I talk to him as if I'm talking to a friend. When I'm praying to God and I'm talking with God, it's like I'm talking to a friend. And when you're talking to a friend, you don't say the same thing over and over. I don't, I don't say, I'm using you, Kimo, as an example because you're my friend. I, I, I don't say, hey, Kimo, how are you doing? Oh, Kimo, Kimo, great, great day, Kimo. Kimo, let's go play basketball, Kimo, today. I don't say his name over and over and over. I don't just re- repetitiously just keep saying his name. And I found that in my prayers, that's what I do often. I'll say, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for this day. Hallelujah, Father, Spirit, Son, Holy Ghost. It's like, just think of God as your friend. Because it changes how you connect with Him. Lest we sound religious and not relational. See, we all have a worship style. Discover what that is. Because you'll be at your very best in your worship to God. Discover that. And the second thing is to develop your lifestyle to worship the Lord. It's a lifestyle. This is probably the difficult part because I remember when I first came to know Christ, I brought a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of baggage, my past sins, my present sins, and my behavioral patterns, the way I thought. Like I brought a lot of junk with me. And it's like I, 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 I was lugging all of this luggage to God and I said, okay, God, help me to get rid of this stuff but I'm hanging on so tightly to it. And he says, okay, you're going to have to develop a lifestyle then because it's not just who you are in church. It's your whole entire life. It's all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. So you're going to have to let go of that so that you can hang on to me. And boy, was that hard to do because I'm so used to a certain way of living. And our minds are already developed to react and respond in a certain way. And God says, no, I've given, you're a new creation now. Old things have passed away. All things are new. So you're going to do new things. Have you ever tried doing new things? Oh my goodness, like if you get a new program on your phone or a new phone. I remember when I first switched my phone from the old style to the new, I was so frustrated. I'm like, why can't it do what I want it to do? I just needed to do a simple thing. Call someone. Where's the phone? Where's the buttons? Like switching over is a tough thing. But thanks be to God that he gives us his spirit because when we go from our old life to our new life, he is our new life. And he gives us a brand new way to live. That's why our worship outside of the church building is just as important as our worship in here. In how we show God how much he's worthy to be praised and how we sing to him, how we applaud him. It's a lifestyle. It's not, it's not wild, random, meaningless uh, rituals that we go through. Or even in a setting like this to draw attention to oneself. It's to point everything to God. 1 Corinthians 14.40 tells us to be sure that everything is done properly and in order. 
That's why we do things the way we do here at our church. We, we make sure that we do everything in, a, in an orderly fashion so that people aren't confused. The songs that we sing, the prayers that we have, even the way our messages are built, we, we do things in such a way, it's a part of our mission statement, that we present the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way, and that phrase, in such a way, means we're going to do everything possible to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ in an understandable way so that we can turn non-Christians into Christians, into disciples, into mature, fruitful leaders who will in turn go out into the world and reach others for Jesus. That's why we have these invitations. Like, we don't just come to Christ and say, okay, ah, I made it. I just made it. Man, I'm going to go to heaven. And God says, yeah, but if that was the only thing I needed from you, I would have taken you home already. But you have an assignment. You have a mission, something bigger than your life, and how I created you, how I designed you. Now you're going to be used for me in such a greater way. If you thought your life had insignificance, God says, no, your life is so valuable that I died for you because there's a mission, and it's to look for people who are far from me and bring them closer to me, one relationship at a time. You go love people towards me. Don't judge them. You love them. Let me do that part. And you love them towards me. Introduce them to me. Invite them into my presence, and then watch what I do. That's why I'm so excited about this season, because we're inviting people. This might be your first time here at church. It is by no accident that you're here. God has ordained certain key components in our lives that brought us to him, and we get to be a part of that bigger picture. We get to develop that lifestyle where we're at, when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're with our, our, our friends and family members, when we're shopping, wherever we may be, while we're driving. Here at church, when you lay your head down, it's, it's developing the entire thought process of our lifestyle to worship God. It's in everything that we do, and it's always done with a purpose of developing this lifestyle to worship the Lord. Have you ever done something or said something, and right after that, you're like, man, I feel guilty because I say I believe in God, but I just did that. That will happen to us often because we don't forget that we're Christians. We forget that we're humans. And it's not a reason for an excuse. It's just reality. But it's those moments that we can catch ourselves and say, wait a minute, God, I want to do better. So can you help me the next time that I'm in that situation that I'm going to respond differently because I want to shine as a light into this world because you've given me a way to live on this earth. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 16 through 17 tells us, for if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. In other words, what the Bible is telling us is when everything is done in a, in a correct way, in order, and not chaotic, people can understand our God. But if my life is incongruent or not consistent with the things of God and, and biblical, then they're like, I don't, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. You say you serve this God, but 
it just doesn't make sense. Your lifestyle and what you're saying, it doesn't, it doesn't match up. So they're confused. Or even in a church setting, if, if, we're, if everything is chaotic and there's no order, then a new person comes and they're like, I don't know if I want to serve this God because it just doesn't seem like he has his act together. So God gives us the responsibility to develop that lifestyle for him. Romans 12.1 tells us, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Yeah, he says to give of your, your body, your body. Now, why our body, not, not necessarily our spirit? Well, because we do give of our spirit, but he's saying, but I, I need your physical body to be given to me because wherever your body is, there your spirit will be too. It's not the other way around. It's not, oh, may my spirit go to the gym and work out and I lose weight. Your body cannot be there. That's why when we say, oh, I cannot make it to your party, but I'll be there with you in spirit. <laughs> no, we won't. Our, our hearts are with the person, but we can't, our spirit cannot be where our body isn't. The only time that happens is when our body dies and then our spirit goes home to be with the Lord. But he says, I, I need your body, your physical body. Why? Because that's going to be your worship to me. It's how you utilize your physical nature in what you're doing and how you do what you do and why you do what you do. That to God is very, very important. So discover your worship style and, and really develop that lifestyle to worship God because it is a lifestyle. It's not just here at church. And then the last thing is to keep our focus on Jesus. I'm so thankful that Jesus is perfect because we, we now have something, someone to 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 model after like we have a we have a target we have we have something as a reference and someone to reference back to so if you ever stray away from god or or life is not going well focus back on jesus i could find the the most times that my life was uh, in bad shape is when i took my eyes off of jesus I focused on another person, I had presuppositions about someone else, or I, I, I had uh, assumptions, or I had uh, uh, demands that I would, I would focus on, on what I expected from someone, I had high expectations, and the moment we take our eyes off of Jesus, everything else becomes a distraction. Because believe it or not, we're always being distracted. There's always something happening around us, unless we're focused the distractions come flooding in. That's actually why we have our church set up like this. That's, that's why we, we do what we do in this kind of way because we want to focus on the Word of God. We want to make sure that we're bringing Scripture. We want to focus on Jesus Himself because anything other than Jesus is going to distract us from worshiping God. Have you ever been in the setting of worship, of singing, and you start thinking about shopping and food and you know, where are we going to go after this? Or what time church is going to be done? Or how long the pastor going to speak? It's almost 8 o'clock. You know, we think of these things and it's like distractions start coming in once our focus is off of Jesus. And sometimes even in life with our busyness or, or maybe we have bitterness or, or gossip is taking place or there's complaining or, or what someone did to you or, or maybe you got hurt or there's pain or what another Christian did or problems in the church, maybe grumbling and, and complaining or or. Or the things that go on that 
is always happening, but because you're focused on something else, you never pay attention to it. And what I find interesting is the moment I begin looking at the problems in my life, I become part of the problem. Rather than fixing my eyes on Jesus, even though there are problems, and become part of the solution. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, everything changes. I thought if we're not careful, our, our, what we focus on will begin to replace who we should focus on. And the Bible tells us to focus on Jesus. And after a while, if we don't, if we don't focus back to Jesus, whatever we're focusing on becomes our God, small g. Because what you focus on, your life becomes. If you study it so much and you're focused on that, your life becomes that. That's why I love what Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. And how do we do this? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, why Jesus? Because he is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus made a way possible for us to worship God, to worship him. And it cost Jesus his entire life. Which on our part, worship cost us something too. It cost us focusing on Jesus and not on everything else. It's focusing on Jesus, and then from there, we'll be able to bring in everything else. He said, focus on me. It costs all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. I want to do a little exercise with you. Right now, I should be clear, as in vision. Now, maybe some of us, like, I, I need glasses soon. I'm like holding out till I'm 50. It's just a prideful thing, I think, in me. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, a, what do you call that, denial. I don't know what it is. I'm like, no, 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 I can still read my phone. I, 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 I can still read. So I should be clear right now, at least uh, able to see. But I want you to do something. I want you to put your finger in front of your face as close as you need to to focus on your finger where it's not blurry. Okay, I know some of us might be distant. It's okay. It's, we're all going to be, we're uniquely different. We all are different, okay? So I want, now I want you to look at your finger, but also have me in the background, okay? Now don't try to look at me and your finger, okay? Just look at your finger. Now do you notice that everything else is out of focus? Right. Now if you say, no, everything is out of focus, that's, that's eyesight. That's bad eyesight. <laughs> so, but uh, now what I want you to do is keep your hand up, focus on your finger, now focus on me. Sounds like a commercial. <laughs> focus on your finger and focus on me. Now when you focus on me, your finger becomes blurry. Right? <laughs> Poor thing. Someone was like, everything is blurry. This illustration not working for me. Go to the doctor first. Come back. We'll do the illustration again or put on glasses, which I need. But what happens is our eyes, we have a lens and it shifts. Anyone in photography understands this correctly. That when you shift, there's a certain length or degree, that when you start changing your focus, everything else goes out of focus. When Jesus is at the front center first in our life, 
you won't have to worry about all of the other things being a distraction. When Jesus is our focus, everything else is out of focus. It automatically happens. That's why he says, cast your cares on me, for I care for you. Because when we do that, he's going to take care of everything else. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then everything else will be added unto you. He's saying, focus on me, and everything else will become crystal clear. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And whatever else is out there, whatever is going to supposedly distract you, he'll take care of that. You know, in the beginning, we were talking about, we had Blake and Jordan on, on a, a video earlier, and they were talking about the missions and how we're, we're, we're so loving the fact that we're, we're having some of our youth. And um, Chad Kaneko is overseeing our, what we call One Missions. And I wanted Chad to come up to share a little bit about that because worship is more than uh, singing a song and what we do here. It's also in the things we get to do for the rest of the world. So can you welcome up with me Chad Kaneko? Morning. He's going he's gonna to share a little bit. Um, and in, in what, we're, what we're talking about, you know, we're talking about what it means to worship God. And, you know, Blake and Jordan, they're so excited because that's their worship to God. And that's their heart to him. And some of you have a heart for missions. Uh, but we want to cast some vision today on what we're looking forward to in the future. So, Chad, can you just share a little bit of what we talked about? Sure, yeah. So this morning, we, um, actually this year, we just started our Youth High School One Mission Ministry and coming up on June 30th, we're planning an event. It's our Aloha Sunday event. And it's about um, supporting our Foursquare missionaries as well as our One, youth, our, um, one Mission Youth Ministry. And um, it's, Aloha is about sharing the love of the Spirit. It's about sharing love, compassion, hospitality, servanthood. And so we want to welcome you to participate on that day. And we're going to get dressed up in our Aloha wear um, out in the courtyard. We're going to have... Um, live Hawaiian and worship music, and we're also going to have our Aloha Market. And it's just going to be a time to share the love of Jesus while we're with one another in our culture, and, um, and we want to take that out as well. Yeah, so the Aloha Market is, uh, and you'll hear more about it, but basically we wanted it to be a place where even our community can come up, like a little marketplace that they can uh, just shop around, and, and a lot of the proceeds will go towards our missions uh, to reach people around the world because that's how some of you worship God. It's, it's giving, it's, it's, it's loving people, it's, you, you utilize the spirit of aloha to worship God. And I'm so thankful that you get to spearhead this, Chad, and uh, looking forward to that. But Ju June 30th is when we'll kick it off. And we just wanted to cast, cast vision today of what that's going to look like. So, We're very excited. Yeah. yeah. Can we say thank you to Chad thank just you. for sharing that? Thank you, Chad. Uh, today is actually, uh, we're actually... Uh, receiving our missions offering today and and it everything ties in so well so ushers if you can get prepared but it ties in so well because worship is more than singing songs what it means to worship god is giving him all of our heart soul mind and strength and, and let me just preface it with this for some of us we just god created us to give for some of us giving is a struggle it's something that is learned so what I'm asking of you is you ask God, God, do I get to give today? And just obey his voice. Don't feel pressured. Don't feel obligated. But just hear his voice. And God will take care of the rest. Focus on Jesus, not the offering. Focus on Jesus. And he'll work everything out. But when we give to him, just know that it goes, the, the finances goes towards missionaries because that's their worship to God. That's their, they discover their 
their worship style. And some of us are still discovering that. Keep doing that. Keep discovering that. We're going to pray over this special offering and then we'll continue and then conclude. So I'm going to ask if you'd bow your heads with me as we do so. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to give to you. And Lord, today as we, as we talk about our worship style and developing a lifestyle to worship you, to focus on you, Lord, we want to also give towards the, the missions of, and the mission of reaching people around the world and people in our own community, people in our, in our own homes, Lord, because it starts there. And so we give to you knowing that this gift, this offering, that when it's given to you, you're going to use it to expand your kingdom. May you touch hearts everywhere around the world. We trust in you. I pray your blessing over the giving and the giver. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. You know what is interesting is when we talk about missions, I was talking to Chad and I said to Chad, I said, you know, when Jesus said in Jerusalem, when he was in Jerusalem and he said, um, to make disciples of all nations. He's talking about the world. But the Bible also tells us that you're going to reach people in Jerusalem. And that's where they were at the time. You're going you're to reach people in Jerusalem and then Judea. Jerusalem was where they were. And what God is saying is wherever you are, reach people for me. Not just Jerusalem and your home base, but also, he said, and, and Judea, which was the city. So we go out into our city. And then he said, not just, not just Judea and Jerusalem, where you are, and then the city, but also in Samaria. And Samaria was a different people group. And so he's saying, that's, that's kind of like the ripple effect. You reach people where you are, then in the city, and then in different people groups. We have many different people groups here on this island. And so we get to reach out to them. But when he was speaking that in Jerusalem, he also said, after those areas, he said, and then to the outermost parts of the earth. And that word means the furthest you can go. Now, they're in Jerusalem. Catch this. They're in Jerusalem saying this. And when they said to the farthest that you can go, you know what is, what is the farthest point from Jerusalem is? on this planet? Hawaii. That's the farthest you can go from Jerusalem. God was talking about us. He said, let's go reach people in Hawaii. That's you and I. This is what it means to worship God. It's giving Him all that we have and being thankful for what he did for us.